It's absolutely glorious. It's got great sound design as well. Great use of sort of grunts and, and music. <laughs> great sort of construction use of grunts. Noises. It's true, though. That it's should true. be on their poster, for God's sake. Great use of grunts. This has been a great year for final shots. Yes, you're right. And not just in horror, in all genres. Mm-hmm. Final shots this year have been great. And here's one. There is no film in 2022 with a richer or more important, integral, fascinating B story. Well, Happy New Year. Hope you had a fantastic Christmas, enjoying the holiday season. And here we are again, ready to count down the best of the best of horror movies in 2022. Hard to believe. It always passes it passes quicker every year. Yeah, it But does. let's get into it. Uh, this is the Fright Club Podcast. Welcome. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are from madwolf.com. And uh, boy, we've got to say, first off, we got to say thank you to the incredible crowd that joined us for our last Fright Club Live at Gateway Film Center as we celebrated the best. We finally got around to celebrating the best of John Carpenter, and we watched The, the Thing on the big screen one of the best crowds we've ever had. It was a sellout, and also it was this gorgeous 35-millimeter print. You know, it's always, you know what I mean? There's always like a little bit of a gamble to go with that. It was so beautiful. I was telling Chris Hamill, president programmer of, of Gateway, who got that print for us, that it's like it looked worn out in exactly the right, the right spots <laughs> for the movie. Yeah. It was just great. Yeah, and it was a lot of fun. And it was really surprising to us. Maybe this says something that uh, that we're, you know, uh, sometimes get, uh, get led astray by our own, what we've, we've seen. There were so many people there that had not seen the movie at all. Maybe not so many, but a lot more than I would have guessed. Oh, absolutely. No, I think especially for the crowd that tends to come to Fright Club, which is to say horror movie fans, we assumed... Everybody. Yeah. There are a, a few people um, who brought a teenage child with them. Yeah, that I can and understand. Sure, that makes sense. Actually, Walker Evans from Columbus Underground, we write for Columbus Underground, he brought his 15-year-old son because he'd not seen it before. And that was cool. That was cool for them to and, and for the adults who hadn't seen it, don't get us wrong, we're not judging. No. We're just saying maybe we need to take a step back and think, hey, maybe more people than we think have have not seen some yeah. of these classics, so it's great every now and then. Because normally in Fright Club Live, what we like to do is give people a chance to see things that maybe have slipped through the cracks over the years. Yeah, movies but, we're pretty confident yeah. they have not seen. But once in a while, it's good to just bring one of these up, especially yeah. uh, during the time of year it was, because we, we watched this movie where there everybody is so cold, and then what do we get for Christmas? A deep freeze, like most of the uh, like most of the country. And we were all wishing that we had Kurt Russell's hat. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that was a bunch of fun. Thank you so much. And uh, we say sorry that Dustin couldn't be there in person. He was really feeling it. They're in yeah. they, Dustin and Michelle moved to L.A. So he was really there in spirit. Yeah, he was. Also, Seth, who always Seth has seen so many great horror movies, and he always it never in a dismissive or angry but he always has a thought and he he some love for dark star which is not of the ones we didn't mention dark star was not I, the one i expected yep. to hear somebody complain about <laughs> exactly right also the uh, freaks and psychos podcast uh, our, our buddy we hadn't really uh, talked to him for a while but that's returning from a lengthy hiatus yeah we're excited about that and he listed his what his top five would be and actually it was the same movies just in a different sequence so pretty close yeah so andrew Way to go, and we're looking forward to uh, that podcast coming back after after a little break. So uh, Nathan Andrew, Hermit Musician, saw, 
<laughs> saw in the mouth of madness on opening night and during the scene where Trent was losing his marbles inside the theater. He says the film broke. The audience sat there stunned and confused, wondering if the film was over, if this was how it ended, and did the world within the film just end kind of perfect. That's Yeah, it is. That's a great story. It yeah. is. Yeah. I love that story. Now we've gotten to the point of the year, like we said, where we have to take stock of the best that we, we saw during the year. Now, we normally do halfway point. We do a best of half mm-hmm. of the year, and that helps because when we're going <laughs> to do this end of the year, well, we've already got half of it done, right? <laughs> so <laughs> so but that's part of the reason we do the half-year list, just to help us at the end of the year. But there were, were a bunch, a bunch of good ones. It was a great year. It was a great yeah. year for big budget and tiny horror films. I mean, the whole, it ran the gamut. Yeah, so we've narrowed it down to 10 favorites, but we've got a lot honorable mentions uh, and a couple that that need explanation. So let's just run through some of the the honorable mentions that we really liked. Didn't make the top ten, but we really liked this year in no particular order. We liked The Innocence very much. Men. Uh, also Barbarian. People My are going to be so mad. Yeah, I mean, most people like that, mm-hmm. and we liked it a lot because it threw such a, a curveball yeah. at you. And uh, yeah, it we really did. Just didn't make the top ten, but we still liked it. Right, same with Smile. People same. are going to be mad about Smile. Yeah, and also Black Phone. Yeah, um, that was good. I really enjoyed Black Phone. Actually. Did I think enjoy people Black Phone. People are kind of forgetting about that here at the year, but that was good. Good Madam, that was great. Shudder had a killer year this year. Shudder really did. They keep bringing it. Also, we like Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. I know everybody didn't like that. Mm-hmm. I saw some polarization, but mm-hmm. overall, I thought it was fun. It, yeah. it was it was a fun treatment of that. Also, the new Scream yeah. really impressed, I thought. Yeah, I yeah. Thought. we thought it was a lot of fun. Speak No Evil, not fun. Not at no. all fun, but was a good that, movie. Was that the biggest gut punch ending of the year? Maybe. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think it might be. There was somebody here that I work with that I give recommendations to every now and then, and he wanted something to watch. And I said, get ready, because that's a gut punch. And he watched it and came back and said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a gut punch. That'll kill you, man. That is nasty. Also, uh, Slap Face. So good. Slap Face is really an unusual film. It's a movie where you you think you know where it's going and you don't. Yeah. Orphan 2. Now that, I'll tell you. That is one of the best left turns. Yes. I could, the most fun because I was not really looking forward to it to be honest. Mm-hmm. And then when they when they made that when they dropped that that hammer and I realized, oh, I was all in. You I learned. loved it. It worked for me. I thought it was the perfect way to approach that uh, that movie. So well done, Orphan Two. I really enjoyed very much Satan's Slaves Communion. And it's another one I didn't expect to like. Yeah. And it just, it's one of those apartment building horror films that really, really works. Mm-hmm. Also, Soft and Quiet. Ooh. Yeah, this is another one. It's it's a bit of a gut punch, too. And the title is great, Soft and Quiet, because it really works on you with the insidious nature of, of evil mm-hmm. and, and oppression. Very, very well done. And Resurrection. Resurrection. That was a yeah. nutty movie. Yeah. Rebecca Hall. So great, Tim always. Roth. Yeah. Weird, but Rebecca Hall is always so good, and she can make me believe pretty much anything. Exactly. And it's really, it, it, that one has really got kind of worked on you as well. Now, one of the ones that we want to explain is Prey, because we liked Prey a lot, yes. and we certainly understand. Well, let, let's say we liked Prey, the Comanche cut. Yes. For, for us, it has to be the Comanche cut, because when you. Listen to it in English. For, I thought that that really took me completely out of it. Mm-hmm. I still thought it was a good movie, but the Comanche cut, I'm so glad they offer that because that's the one. It's so good. Loved it. But the two of us don't really consider it a horror movie. If you do, totally understandable. Yep. That's great. Yep. It just didn't, we had to it's say- It's an action. We think of it as an action yeah. movie. Yeah, so you that's know, why. As we do of all the Predator films. That's why. Even though, yeah, it's bloody. You're yep. darn right it's bloody. Yeah, it and is. I love it for that. 
But uh, that's why it's not on here because and then the we other didn't one, consider it one. The other one, I have seen the menu on some people's year-end list. I, we both did. Mm-hmm. We loved the menu. Right. And, and it will probably end up in our at least our top 20 of the year of all films, but I don't think either one of us think of that as a horror No, film. we thought of it much more of a dark comedy. Yes. Very, very dark comedy mm-hmm. and very, very funny. But, but again, if you thought it was a horror movie, fantastic. Yeah. Um, glad you saw it. For our purposes, didn't make it. So those are the ones we liked. couple that needed explanations, but we've got 10 best of the best choices from 2022. And we'll start with a young American woman who moves with her husband to Bucharest and begins to suspect that a stranger who watches her from the apartment building across the street may be a local serial killer decapitating women. It's Watcher. Just tell me what you want me to do. I want you to believe me. I heard screaming from in here, okay? Just Just open the door, please. Chloe Akuta directed this movie. Man, it was spot on. It was it was everything that you've seen in 300 other <laughs> movies slyly altered because of perspective. Yeah, not only presented originally, I guess, but then copied, parodied mm-hmm. so many times you've seen someone across the window. Uh, and yeah, just the perspective has changed. And boy, what a... Bloody and satisfying payoff, yeah. huh? Because it simmers, simmers the pot, and then delivers. Yes, I thought the payoff was well worth it. Oh yeah, and, and I it, thought, and it needed it. You needed that that catharsis, I guess. You really did. And Michael Monroe was absolutely wonderful. And one of the things that you pointed out when we first talked about this movie is that. It opens. She's in a cab with her husband, and the cab driver is speaking Romanian. And she and and they they don't subtitle it right. So it's perfect. She, you the audience the Okuna insists that you are in the woman's point of view in her perspective yeah. the entire. You're film. lost. You're lost. It's so perfect. And it's you such also a perfect way to situate you in that scene. You get the uh, the impression that they're having some sort of laugh at her expense. Yep. And that just brings you all the more to the outsider perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a great move by Chloe Okuna, who by the way is in is uh, going to be involved in the next Fear Street. Yes. Uh, which we really enjoy. Very much. They Street. were fun. Yeah. And uh, we've liked Chloe Acuna's stuff, so uh, looking forward to that. But back to Watcher. Yeah. Really well done. And how about Burn Gorman? You love him. We love the name, first of all. <laughs> and if, if you look at his face, he's the, he's the man across uh, the window, across the way in the window. You just look at his face. If you didn't know his name, you'd think, I bet his name is Burn Gorman. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't he? <laughs> He's great. He's great. He's so menacing. And then they, you know, they gaslight, and of course, her husband oh, yeah. doesn't come to her aid right away, and that brings you more into her camp, yeah, and you're just a, so mad at him. God, that's another way that the the finale, the climax, delivers. Oh. I, 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 it's such an impressive film. Yeah, it really is. And this one is available now. It's on Prime Video, uh, AMC Plus as well, so it's definitely out there if you haven't seen it or if you Shutter, want. Shutter, it's on Shutter. Is it on Shutter now? It is. Oh, there you go. We got Shutter should just just pay us or something. <laughs> Because we're always, hey, Shudder, hey, that's right. how about a little something for, <laughs> you know, the effort? Uh, <laughs> uh, that's great, though. Any, any way you can catch it. Uh, Chloe Acuna also uh, wrote the screenplay. It's based on a screenplay by Zach Ford, but Chloe wrote and directed this. So, man, nicely done. Very and, and, well done. and good performances. And, yeah, love that payoff. Love when there's good payoff. And this one delivers. Number 10 on our list of best horror of 2022. It is Watcher. Here's another one that's available on Shudder that uh, I hope people take the time to see because I think a lot of people maybe missed it first time around. The Assassin travels through a nightmare underworld of tortured souls, ruined cities, and wretched monstrosities 
forged from the primordial horrors of the unconscious. Who wrote this? This is great. <laughs> uh, mind of Phil Tippett, the world's preeminent stop-motion animator. After so many years this year, we finally got Mad God. Oh, my God, I love this movie. What a trip. Amazing. Holy moly. Yeah, and it is available on Shutter right now, and, and, and check it out and just be ready for that. That synopsis should prepare you for what's in store because I, I, I forget what I called it in the written review. I think I called it a mixture of a tool video and a Hieronymus Bosch that's painting. That's exactly what you said. Because that's what it feels like. Yes. It's just so dark, and what the F is going on? Yep. And it envelops you in this incredibly macabre and twisted hellscape, w- hellscape world of of creatures and and just things feeding on other things and it, a parasitic existence. And this assassin, this character, leads you through it. And it's it's an amazing work of stop motion that has taken him how many? It was a de- 30. 30 years. 30 years. 30 years in the making, and it's just amazing. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's absolutely glorious. It's got great sound design as well. Great use of sort of grunts and, and music and uh, great sort of construction use of grunts. noises. It's true, though. That it's should true. be on their poster, for God's sake. Great use of grunts. But that's true. So much of it, it's a, it's a sensory it experience. It's just a world like you've never seen, and it's painstakingly crafted with this stop-motion animation, and you can you just have to appreciate it for for the, the work that went into it. And I think the film, it kind of exudes that. You can tell when you're watching it, you're you're amazed at it, that it took such incredible craftsmanship to get this done. Yeah, I think you're right. And because t- nothing was scrimped on. Right? Oh. Like every detail in there, you can tell somebody painstakingly loved over. And Tippett and his his crew, because I think he's the first one to acknowledge. He had a big crew yeah. working on this. And so everybody involved just takes you through these different, almost like rooms in a world of hellscape. Yeah. Where you just go in. Then there's flowers. Then there's these flowers. And then but just everything devolves into another level of of madness yeah. in the in this world and it's it's not like it has a a narrative of dialogue first no. of all there's no dialogue no. but it's an experience that you just it's just hard to describe there is a story per se but it's yeah. very very loose but it's incredibly well made it is it really is after so many yeah decades 30 years of work for this mad god writer director Phil Tippett and his crew of stop motion animators just an incredible work and it was our number 9 this year of uh, horror films and this is another one to catch on shutter so please do Next up is more of a horror thriller, events leading up to the 1996 Port Arthur Massacre on Tasmania in an attempt to understand why and how the atrocity occurred. This is called Nitrum. I heard someone laughing. I looked around. And there he was, lying on the floor of the back seat, looking up at me, laughing at my pain. Laughing like it was the funniest thing in the world. This is director Justin Kersel writing, working with writer Sean Grant. So the two of them, they made Snowtown. Uh, they're basically 
we will watch whatever they do. And I bring up Snowtown because it's another true story right. of, of Australian crime. And in both instances, the level of authenticity is really disturbing and the brilliant performances yes. will kill you. Now, mainly, of course, um, it's Caleb Landry Jones, who's amazing in everything, but he's so great in this. But he's got support from Judy Davis, one of the all-time greats, and Essie Davis, who's also absolutely wonderful as sort of these two different maternal figures. It's very moving. It's really difficult to watch and just remarkably well-made. And this one, especially since we were explaining early on why we didn't think maybe Prey or The Menu were horror horror movies, this one may be a movie where some people might think, well, this is more of a dramatic thriller. Okay, I, I, I can see that, I suppose, depending on your... But we view this one as a horror movie. Because I was quite... We were disturbed by it. Yeah, yeah. And it's the, the performances really are incredible. I mean, we've we've uh, tooted the horn for Caleb Landry-Jones now for a while. And, of course, Essie Davis we've loved since oh, The Babadook. sure, sure. And Judy Davis is great. So I think in all their films, Snowtown as well um, relied on those very authentic performances to sell this. Yes. Because since it is based on true events, Mm -hmm. and they want to get behind the sort of thing that can lead to an event like that. You really have to buy in to these characters' situations and their motivations and what is driving them down this dark path. And uh, so it's one that you really have to become absorbed with the characters, and uh, this this cast certainly does that. And this is another one you can find on Shudder. I think we're on a shutter, a shutter hot streak right now. But that's great because this is it's an easy place to find these. Yeah. Especially the ones that maybe did come out and have a short theatrical run, but if they can find a home on Shutter now, yeah. well people can go check them out. By all means do that. And that is and by the way, Nitrum, if you didn't guess, is Martin backwards. spelled backwards. Yeah. yeah uh, number eight on our list of best horror of twenty twenty two, Nitrum. Well, this next one is one we were looking forward to this year, and it did not disappoint. Humans adapt to a synthetic environment with new transformations and mutations. With his partner Caprice, Saul, celebrity performance artist, publicly showcases the metamorphosis of his organs in avant-garde performances. This is David Cronenberg, Crimes of the Future. Let us not be afraid to map the chaos inside That will guide us into the heart of darkness. This is one that didn't go over as big as some other Cronenberg films have, but he did kind of get, he kind of got a little mainstream there for a while with great films. Mm -hmm. You know, um, but uh, he's back to decidedly horror. This is a little bit of a like a cloak and dagger sort of a mystery thriller as well. But Viggo Mortensen, always amazing, especially in Cronenberg films. Leah Sadu plays his surgeon slash lover. Uh, Kristen Stewart, super weird, uh, always welcome in the super weird roles. But for me, the story itself seemed almost autobiographical in that. I mean, allegorical, but still, it almost felt like. David Cronenberg, he'd, he'd stepped outside of the horror comfort circle. He'd made some big stream Oscar contenders, and now he just, he's embracing the weirdo that he is. I mean, this might be the most Cronenbergian movie I have ever seen. <laughs> yeah, if you just came in cold and had no idea about who made this movie and really had seen any of Cronenberg's body horror stuff, you'd say, oh, yes, 
This is David Cronenberg oh, because he is embracing it to the nth degree and has a a message. He has something to say here. Yeah. And it's very interesting the way that he can take that message. And I don't think any other filmmaker would would frame that message through a narrative like this. No, I, think I mean, you're another, right. another filmmaker would have the same message and find a different way to get there, but not like this. No, because really there aren't any filmmakers like him. And it's uncomfortable <laughs> in some instances, yes. but I think you, you'll know your own comfort level with Cronenberg type of body horror because you see it, you know, the things that are done to the body yep. um, in this movie, and it's going to make you squirm in some instances for sure. I also think it's funnier than any of his other films. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that in, in a dark way, mm -hmm. but it's just so fascinating because he wrote it as well. It's just so fascinating how he can come up with these stories to get where he's trying to go, especially early on when it sets the mystery with this child. Yeah. There's a child involved oh, yeah. and, and, and why he's doing what he's doing and why he's in demand, let's let's say. Mm -hmm. um, and how he gets from A to B to C to where oh, he's yeah. going is fascinating. Yeah, it is. It is. It's to, stunning. To work in all this body horror. And you're right, the, the performances uh, are great. Again, we'll say that we've several times now, if you haven't left the, the twilight years of Kristen Stewart behind. She's very good. Yes, she she's is. She's been very good for years yes, now. Yes, she has been. And, uh, and here's another example of that. So that's number seven on our list of best horror of the year. Yeah, the body horror of David Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future. Next up is a horror romance. You in for that? Marin, a young woman, learns how to survive on the margins of society. This is Luca Guadagnino's Bones and All. You know, I'm thinking of a bad person. He may be. You look like the kind that's convinced himself he's got this under his thumb. He but you pull on one little thread and... I'm ready. My lord. Maybe love will set you free. Now, Luca directed this one. He did not write it, and this one is, this one is based on a young adult novel. Now, usually that's where we gotta check out. Yep. But boy... This is, uh, I can only imagine, I, I hope the novel is as good as this movie is. Because it does something. I mean, there's a, there's a core theme here that you can find in, in not, is not uncommon in, in young adult, which is to say, embrace who you are, no matter how ugly that may be. And they, they take it pretty far because the problem that she needs to embrace is that she likes to eat human flesh. Right. Now, the writer is David Kajanik. hope I pronounced that right. He wrote the screenplay based on the novel by Camille D'Angelis. Yeah, she likes to eat human flesh, and that comes to the forefront early on when she's at a very um, unfortunate sleepover. And then... That's a great scene. ...has to go on the run. Yeah. And when she gets home and her dad knows, knows right away what happened and we got to go. And that leads her, as the synopsis said there, on the margins of society. And, and we should say Marin is played by Taylor Russell. So good. From Waves, yep. if you saw Waves, and if you didn't, boy, that's a, that's, a, that's a really emotional film, but well worth seeing from a couple years ago. And she is so good. And she hooks up with Lee, Timothy Chalamet, who's obviously very good, because he always is. And they find like like-minded souls, because he is on the run for the same reason. And they are... Up against the thing about it is the the kind of people they are give off a certain 
odor. Scent that yeah. really only other people like them right. can pick up. So they find people on their trail and are, are the people that are on their trail, including uh, the great Mark Rylance. Oh, yeah. And also... David Gordon Green, the director... And Michael Stuhlbarg yes. are a very strange pair that yes. they run into. Yeah, and and Mark Rylance is very persistent about about yes. tracking them down. So, and then you you have to wonder as they do: Are they here to help us or to hurt us? And it becomes an an on the run sort of thing, romance, yes, but but mystery and who's who's on their good side and who's really out. For their best interest. Yeah, because it's a road picture, honestly. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes, as you've said many times, that those don't work out because they seem like they're just a succession of, of disconnected scenes, skits almost. And I think if this film were not as beautifully directed as it is, it could it could feel that way because they do on the road they come into certain, you know, you know, little groups of people, little skits, if you will, as right. they try to feed or not feed or just stay off the radar, um, but but it is it it all flows really beautifully. Yeah, and it's a great ensemble. We didn't mention uh, Sean Bridgers, always welcome, and Andre Holland, who played. He made such an impression on me in Moonlight a few oh, years yeah. ago. So great. He plays her father, mm-hmm. also very good here. So this is a this is a great ensemble. Chloe Sevigny also. Oh yeah, that. Chloe Sevigny. Oh, so, uh, very brief oh, but memorable so, time on screen. So Yow. memorable and uncomfortable, but. Uh, and anytime you have something like this, especially in a young adult environment where you have a certain type of a certain type of person here, it's a person who likes to eat human flesh. You can you can make that a metaphor for many other things. You sure can. And you know, just running through your head when you watch this movie, it can really work for a lot of different instances, mm-hmm. a lot of different lifestyles or preferences. Insert your own. It could really work about being pushed to the margins of society and how to stay true to yourself. Mm-hmm. And for young adult type affair, this one does it better than most. Yes. And, and it's funny that it that it works by putting it in a horror genre mm-hmm. where most people would sort of well, I'm sorry, most people, but a lot of people would would turn away from that. They don't want they don't want to think anything more in a young adult environment, anything more horror, quote unquote, than Twilight. Right, which, which is, isn't, of course. Which I think is one of the reasons why the reviews of this movie are, are incredibly polarizing. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you'll, you're going to see it. I am seeing it on a lot of worst of the year lists. Mm-hmm. But that's, to me, just silly. The performances, the writing, the direction. Maybe you don't want to watch cannibalism, but then just don't watch the movie. That doesn't make it a bad film because that's what they do. And I think there are, for a lot of people, might to maybe overuse a, a hot term right now, a lot of people will feel seen yeah. in this movie. I, I really so do. And I think they'll they'll take it to heart. And that is number six on our list of uh, best horror of the year. Bones and all. Into the top five now with a movie set in 1918. A young woman on the brink of madness pursues stardom in a desperate attempt to escape the drudgery, isolation, and lovelessness of life on her parents' farm. This is Ty West's Pearl. <laughs> I know what I've done. Terrible, awful, murderous things. I want to be loved from as many people as possible. But truth is, I'm not really a good person. This is Mia Goth's Pearl. Oh, my. Well, she does get a writing credit. Yeah, she does get a writing credit. And this is one of the reasons why in our, um, we belong to the Columbus Film Critics Association based in Columbus, Ohio. 
And we one of our awards every year is Actor of the Year. And I think we both just voted for Mia Goth. Yes. Because she is fantastic in this movie and then in another one that we'll talk about. But I think even more so in this movie. Oh, absolutely. Performance-wise, just performance-wise, she's just so memorable as this goes back to origins in her character from X. Yeah, and she's amazing. And, and, and the direction really is quite stunning because it, it takes on that sort of scrappy, you know, <laughs> stars in her eyes, I guess, almost Judy Garland kind yeah. of a movie, yeah. if Judy Garland was batshit insane. <laughs> and it really frames it stylistically, aesthetically, like a movie like that. Yeah, absolutely. With the bluebirds singing and look at the farm and it's sunny. Yeah, and it really upends those conventions. It's fascinating to watch. Yeah, it is. But and I mean, it, and it's funny, and it's gory, and it's quite surprising in a number of ways. But Mia Goth is just flat out amazing in so I mean throughout the whole film. But there are a handful of scenes. Well, the that, end. Yeah. So her, her end monologue. Oh, it's insane. Is pretty much one take, isn't it, it? Yeah, and it's like seven minutes long. It's phenomenal. It is phenomenal. And then also the end end. The last shot of the movie, which is about three minutes, close up on her face, smiling mm-hmm. and crying at the same time, just lost her marbles. We've, we may have mentioned this already, but this has been a great year for final shots. Yes, you're right. And not just in horror, in all genres. Mm-hmm. Final shots this year have been great. And here's one. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely. But all the way through, she's amazing. She really is. And this is one that I think is still available in theaters. I don't believe it's streaming yet, which we didn't mention about Bones and All. Bones and All is also in theaters, in theaters now. Mm-hmm. Hasn't yet hit streaming. And I think that's the case for this one as well. I don't know how it has done in theaters. Uh, probably not as well as it should or as that we had hoped. But uh, if you well enough that there's a third. Well, that's true. That's right. Because we should say, if you saw X, you knew and waited around. You saw basically the trailer, a good hint about this movie. And then now, if you wait around at the very end of this movie, there's one more to go uh, that is coming. What next year? Yeah, I think. Hopefully, one more to go in this trilogy. So you'll see. You'll see something at the end. But uh, yeah, definitely catch this one. And and X, if you haven't seen that yet, too. How do you think about having to see X before this one? I don't think you do. No, I, I really don't think you do. But if you can, it would it would help. Oh, it couldn't and, hurt. And certainly X is uh, X is definitely one that sh- you should see, as we'll talk about here in a few minutes. But uh, for right now, uh, number five on our list of horror for 2022, it's Pearl. And next up at number four, another one that we had high expectations for, and thankfully it did not disappoint. A take on Clive Barker's 1987 horror classic, where a young woman struggling with addiction comes into possession of an ancient puzzle box, unaware that its purpose is to summon the Cenobites Hellraiser. It's time. Greater delights await. We wish to see you proceed. Feed it. Their blood. Their pain. All for us. What is it you pray for? This one is on Hulu, and I am sorry this did not get a big theatrical release because it is gorgeous. It really is gorgeous, Um, and there's a lot of back and forth. I read, you know, good arguments both sides about whether it was smart to put this out on Hulu or not. Um, I get bogged down in some of that. I'm not the best uh, at all to think about what's going to be a, a hit mm-hmm. or not. It's really hard right now. But the point is, it made a good, really good impression 
on Hulu. So oh, yeah. I'm glad it found an audience. But yeah, I would have loved to have seen it on the big screen. Oh, yeah. And uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the original Hellraiser. Yeah, even more than me. Yeah, and I was really looking forward to this. And this is um, Br- David Bruckner, mm-hmm. which really, when we heard that he was doing this, you know, our hopes were raised because yep. we've liked his work. Yes, The Ritual is great. And the Nighthouse Night is House, so yeah. good. Yeah. And he did a great job with this along with his uh, writers, Ben Collins, Luke Priatrowski. I believe, um, of updating the story. Not only updating the look of everything, which, as you said, is glorious, but updating the story, put it through the lens of an addict. Mm -hmm. And I just thought everything really worked. Yeah, and and in particular, we have to call out, obviously, Jamie Clayton, who plays Pinhead. That, that, those are big shoes to fill. Mm -hmm. A.K.A. the priest. Yeah, Yeah, she's She's great. She looks great. The Cenobites look great. The puzzle box, I thought, the design of the puzzle box is fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Because it has many different shapes and things to watch out for now. And you get deeper inside what everything means, uh, I guess. I don't want to give anything away here. Mm-hmm. but uh, and, I, and I love the fact that it being, being brought into the world and being brought into the, the problem, the reason why, you remember in the first one, the the reason why the the killings had to go on was because the more blood was spilled, the more that the, the guy came back to life, mm-hmm. right? And then of course the Cenobites wanted someone that they missed from the past. That was the the deal, right? Uh, that's not the case here. No, they find a different way into it, and I think it's so it it feels so fresh and fe- and feels very urgent and vital to the world that we live in now. Yeah, I think the way that it plays also with different ideas around addiction and around guilt and shame and damage and damaging others as you continue to damage yourself. I mean, I really do. I think that those ideas, those themes are all woven together really well. And still, and yet, on a superficial note, I'm going back to the way those creatures looked. Creature design is huge. And, you know, the creature design in the original, well, I mean, all of that, it's, it's incredibly cool. It's incredibly cool. Here's how this one goes one, one better. Their clothes, their costumes, which are so super cool, they are essentially all made of their own flayed flesh. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's the coolest thing. Sweet. And like I said, it takes you into more of the the bargain and what each step means and and what each different uh, variation of the puzzle box means as as a... Trying to choose my words carefully here. As a as a goal is trying to be achieved. Yes. Let's put it that yeah. way. Um, and I was just really really impressed. And of course Loved they it. they leave room for more. They do. And, uh, and wisely. I'm, yeah. And uh, I well, think well because we talked about this when we talked about this the first time. And not everyone realizes this is the eleventh Hellraiser movie. <laughs> I don't think I did. That's a lot. <laughs> Most of them. Well, a good chunk of them are just unwatchably bad. Every time, it's like, oh, there's going to be another one. You think, oh, please, please. And then this one just nailed it. Just yeah. nailed it. Because I really think, as you know, we've talked many times, I really think you go back and watch that first one. And sure, I know about the times and the budget, but in there is a really inventive, oh yeah, uh, great take on a horror movie that really does some things differently than oh, what was going on at the time. Absolutely. No question. You know, oh, yeah. It so, absolutely yeah. pushed envelopes in a it fascinating did. way. You're watching it, not not just story-wise in terms of, you know, these sort of demons from hell and what they look like, but like the whole, yeah, it's very gay and it's very, it's very tortury and it's very, you're, you know, you're and watching s- it going, you're like, 
Well, of course, I was like eight, going, "What yeah. in the hell am and I seeing?" Sexual but fetishes, oh, and then you, but it's and then you've fantastic. got, and instead of the classic tropey final girl, you've got a, a a girl who has to problem solve, yeah. and and display intelligence yeah. to go where she wants to go. So, so I think there's a lot going. Oh, for and that. I love Aunt Julia. Oh God! Oh God! She's such a great villain. She's nuts. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's hard to be a great villain up. Uh, against the Cenobites, who yeah. are all-time great. Fantastic, no, it's, yeah. it is. It's, so it's it's a, I think it's a movie that deserved to be a, get a new treatment yes. like this, and I'm so happy that it came out as, as well as it did. So kudos. Looking forward to more. Uh, but number four, Hellraiser, 2022 edition on our list of the best of the year. Next up at number three, a Spanish-language film that we were so elated to get to debut, premiere, here in Columbus, Ohio, at the Fright Club Live event, this is an overweight teen bullied by a clique of cool girls poolside while holidaying in her village. Her long walk home will change the rest of her life. This is Piggy. This is by writer-director Carlotta Pareda, and this is based on a short film that we actually got to see first, speaking of here in Columbus, at, Night- right. at Nightmares Film Fest yep. Festival. And so many times, you know, a, a, a short film that is expanded to feature length, you're always worried about filler. Mm-hmm. But I think some of the smart filmmakers now have the feature in mind for almost oh, sure. first. Sure. And so they get they start with the, the short film, and that maybe was the case here. Even if it wasn't, there's no filler no, in this movie. No, there's this is, none. Man, this is so well done. And we want we have to you have to call out uh, Laura Galan who plays oh, Sarah the great. lead just just pitch perfect and um, one of the things that I love so much there's it's brutal it's hard to watch it's such a powerful film but the other thing that I love about it is that you've seen these movies where a uh, Carrie right Carrie what is the problem mm-hmm. where the bullied um, girl you know and everybody is waiting for the mean girls to get uh, you know their meanness Come upended up and, yeah. right mm-hmm. everybody's waiting for it. This film makes you relook at the martyr, the hero, the bully, the victim. You know, you just have to relook. It complicates all of those relationships and all of those characteristics in the most fascinating and fearless ways. Yeah, and I remember before we actually saw it, we had heard that, ooh, get ready. Yeah. This one gets brutal. And for a while in the movie, I'm thinking, does it? Uh, and yep. then it does. So. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So get ready. It does. And, and yeah, there are times, this is one of those movies where there are times when you see things, we know things that the characters don't. Yeah, I always love that. Yeah, you pull it off. yeah. And then when it gets to the final, you know, the, the third act, boy, it, it hangs. She, she hangs and, and makes you question several times mm-hmm. in the beat of a scene. Is this what's going right, to happen? Right, right. No. Is it? No. No, is it no? Oh, and yeah. I just they hold. She holds for enough beats where you question yourself three or four times about what really a character is going to do, and it's yeah, man, it's it's really really fierce and lean. And me, I don't think the running time is much at all. No. It's, it's lean. It's mean. It delivers it, and uh, boy, you're gonna get you're gonna get a ride like like the synopsis says, the walk home. <laughs> in the course of a walk home, it doesn't just change her life. It changed a lot of lives. Oh yeah. Uh, about what goes on in the the person involved who who thinks that he is coming to her aid, mm. um, and and then their relationship. Yeah, is fascinating. Huh? Yeah. 
Yeah, it, you've never seen anything like that. Yeah, it's really satisfying on a lot of different levels. And this one, it's on Prime Video. I don't think it's Shutter though, uh, but it is available to stream. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you maybe catch it on a big screen somewhere, by all means. Oh yes. But if you're only going to see it on uh, on streaming, this is definitely one that you don't want to don't want to miss. Because yeah, you mentioned Laura Galan's her performance is it's so great because early on you're you're on her side so easily because what happens to her is so heartbreaking, and she makes it so sympathetic and empathetic mm-hmm. because not only is she dealing with her the clique of girls, one of which used to be her best friend mm-hmm. that is is tormenting her, but then the relationship with her mother. Yes. That's a whole nother thing. Yeah, and it's and again, you know, it makes you think of Carrie White, but it's not. And uh, the last thing I'm doing is dissing uh, the movie Carrie, or the, but it's so much more realistic because the relationships are much more complicated and they're never black and white and you, you don't... All right, there's one girl you fully hate, but you don't fully hate most of the characters. You can see different layers in every character in here. It's just, it's fascinating. It's so well written, and just the execution is perfect. Yeah, so seek it out. That's number three on our list of best horror of the year. It's Piggy. And next up is one that we referenced here just a few minutes ago. In 1979, a group of young filmmakers set out to make an adult film in rural Texas. But when their reclusive elderly hosts... Catch them in the act. The cast find themselves fighting for their lives. This is Ty West and Mia Goth again with X. Farmer's daughter, take one. I need to be famous, Wayne. All the best people are. There ain't nobody else out there like you. One of the boys found this inside. What do you think is on it? See one goddamn fucked up horror picture. This one is available now on Showtime, and it is obviously the original film, the first film in this trilogy. Uh, Pearl followed this, and then we've got the next one coming, Maxine. But boy, this is such a great. Well, just watch the trailer. And the first thing you're going to think of is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which immediately brought you into it. Oh, my God, yes. (laughs) So you think of a mix of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and what, Boogie Nights? Boogie Nights. Because it's about porn, making porn. Right. And it balances everything so well. And the performances, again, um, Mia Goth, but also Jenna Ortega, who's really big right now. She's she's a big it girl. Brittany Uh, Snow is great. Martin Henderson is great. Kid Cootie. Yeah. Also great. Yeah, it's a and it's it's a fantastic ensemble and a great mix of of tone mm-hmm. because this looks great too. It really looks fantastic. It's gorgeous. It's so gorgeous. And there are a couple of shots. So there are a couple. Uh, so as you alluded to, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is is one of my top two all time all mm-hmm. time favorite movies ever. And there are a couple of shots from that are direct lifts in the most beautiful way of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It just made they just made me want to cry. <laughs> but there's there's another shot, a shot from above of an alligator that is oh. one of the most beautiful sequences, you know, to to be in a film this year of any genre. And this one gets bloody too, as it really balances that look at at, at a horror movie and yet porn. Yeah, and you know what I think is very fascinating, especially from a male filmmaker, is that. It's not judgy. And that's actually a big part of the film is that these women have made this choice and you're not supposed to feel sorry for them and you're certainly not supposed to judge them. And that's a big part of the Jenna Ortega character, which is interesting because in the end, what it's doing is really finger pointing at dudes, not at the women who are involved in this, which I, I very much appreciated, especially to be honest with you. It's refreshing and surprising from a male filmmaker. Yeah, it is. And it's weird to say it, but it's fun it is fun it's very fun (laughs) it really is and uh, that's why it's number two 
on our list of best horror of 2022. Ty West, boy, a good year. Ty West and Mia Goth. Yes. Both, and definitely look for, looking forward to the wrap-up uh, next year with Maxine. But X is number two. And that only leaves room for one at the top. The residents of a lonely gulch in Inland California bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery. Jordan Peele's Nope. What's a bad miracle? They got work for that. Yeah, nah, nah, nah. Yeah! You know, as we're putting this together, we're simultaneously putting together our our um, best of the year list for just the all of the films that came out this year. And I can only think of one or two films that came out in the entire year of any genre that compete with Nope for my best of the year. It's so great. It was one that almost immediately after seeing it, I want to see it again. Oh, yeah. Which doesn't happen very much no, anymore. No, no. Uh, because it had so many layers to it. And I remember, because we got to see it early, we had to drive from Columbus to Cleveland to see it a few days early, and it was worth it. Yeah. And then right away, somebody asked me, where where do you rank it with his three films? And it was so hard because I was still decompressing it. Yeah, processing. And, and, and it's so different now that I've seen it again and thought about it again. It's such a different type of storytelling. It's such a leap forward. In his storytelling, it's I so think. much bigger, expansive. I think expansive, was the word you used. Expansive. I mean, not as much as I love Get Out, as much as I love Us. This is a different type. He's really just stretching as a writer and a director. It's so great in so many ways. There's so many layers to it, and it has the the incredible B story with Stephen Yoon and his child stardom story and the monkey. And we we could just pull apart this movie for an entire podcast. There's no it's, question. It's such great storytelling. I just want to, I mean, I, I, if, I just want to take a second, though, to, to talk about that, because in terms of a script's structure, not everybody goes with a B story. Not everybody has a B story. I don't think not everybody is really, if you're just a, a random moviegoer, are familiar with what a B story is. But let's take Die Hard, the cop, right? His story, his backstory, his arc, that's the B story. And Al they have Powell. to yeah. Al Powell, thank you. I knew you'd know. <laughs> and they have to come together to make the A story richer, right? And and but it's a whole you can take it apart. It's a whole separate story. There is no film in 2022 with a richer or more important, integral, fascinating B story than Nope. It is fascinating. It is. And it's so it's so deeply rooted into the film, and there's so many different ways you can think about it. And then once you once you deconstruct that, go back, go back earlier in the film, and what did this mean and this oh, mean, yeah. and it all ties in. And it's so well constructed, and the cast is great. Kiki Palmer, and we mentioned Stephen Yoon already, and Daniel Kaluuya. Oh my God, is, so he's great. so good. They're so good together. They are. They're, they're such s- a polarizing brother and sister. Oh my God, and they're. I mean, yeah, and she's she is just frenetic. She is just a live wire of energy, and he's quite the opposite. And you can just see him in his face, on his face, just like he's so irritated. Now he's just gonna swallow. He's yeah. just not going to re- react you know, to it. I mean, they're so good together. And it's a movie where you can take so many different things out of it. I mean, they, they have, for me, so much of it, so much of what Jordan Peele is saying, he, he opens it with a, a Bible verse. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not an accident, no. obviously. So, but, but just because, you know, what I take out of it doesn't mean that what somebody else takes out of it is, is not right. No. Uh, or, but there's so many ways that you can get inside this movie and... and 
talk about and think about what he's saying in, in terms of spectacle, mm-hmm. in terms of filmmaking, the, the filmmaking, the black experience mm-hmm. in filmmaking. Mm-hmm. That's important part of it, too. Yeah. The the uh, experience of filmmaking. Uh, there's just there's a lot going on. It's brilliantly written and brilliantly put together. It, the the cinematography. Oh yeah, my God, it's gorgeous. Is great. The score is great. Yeah. It's just a great movie. And even Jordan Peele has sort of clapped back a little bit at, at people that are putting him on too high a pedestal. And I understand he's only three films in, but my God. Oh yeah, he's no. just getting better. Yeah. No, I, he he deserves. He honestly does. He deserves to be compared with all of the great horror filmmakers because. And and all of the great filmmakers, honestly, because there are very few people whose first three movies are are this exceptional. Yeah. And like I said, this is for me, this is a, a real step forward in as good as those first two films were, this is different. This is a different type of, of directing and writing and storytelling mm-hmm. and, and it's just so, so impressive. So yes, number one nope on our list of best horror of 2022. But what do you, what do you think? Um, let us know. There's so many great films to talk about. Maybe you you definitely think Prey was a horror film or oh, the, yeah. the, the menu too. We would love to hear from you. Always easy to get in touch with us and that is uh, at Fright Club Pod on Twitter. You can also find us on uh, Instagram and Facebook. That's Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website with all of our written reviews of all the, the new movies throughout the year and our other podcast, weekly podcast called The Screening Room. You can find that at madwolf.com and of course our special Facebook group where we love to just get in there and talk about horror movies and all things Fright Club just uh, that's Fright Club podcast on Facebook so just add a add a request there to be admitted and we'll put you in there and get you involved in the fun and we have kind of a special event next time we are going to do another recorded before we do our Fright Club live for January we have a special guest Elok Mishra the producer of 1BR plus co-star and just a treat, charmer, Naomi Grossman, who you might also know from uh, American Horror Story. We spent a couple of minutes talking about that as well. Yeah. (laughs) They join us and we talk about apartment horror. Yeah. And that's a great topic. And it was his idea. And we have to keep stealing great topics from other people. Yeah, it's a fun conversation. They were a blast to have on. So that'll be good to dive into next time on the in-studio uh, as you mentioned, uh, Fright Club. Before we take it back to Gateway Film Center, and that will be on January the 13th, Friday the 13th. That's huh? right. Great night for a Fright Club Live. We're going to show, it's going to be our classic for the year, actually. We're going to show The Black Cat, Boris Karloff, Bella Lugosi, black and white, utterly gorgeous. How long have you been trying to get this? Three years. Yeah, I and thought I'm, so. I'm so excited. I, it's such a weird movie. It's so weird. Yeah. It's so gloriously weird, and it's gorgeous, and I've never seen it on a big screen, it's so going I'm so to be, thrilled. Yeah, going to be great. And what's going to be the topic? Be Our Guest. It's about Ooh. unexpected lodgers in oh, horror. Unexpected lodgers. All right. That sort of fits with the theme, because we're going from apartment horror mm-hmm. to unexpected lodgers. There's so one more after it, so it's a trilogy. Because ah. then our next in-studio, we have our friend Jamie Ray from Fave 5 from Fans, and we're going to talk about Hotels. Oh, man. I know. It's all about it. All right. We've got a lot to look forward to. And uh, as we dive into 2023, looking forward to more great horror then. Uh, but right now, we're celebrating the best of 2022. So by all means, keep in touch. Tell us what you think. Hope you can join us next time. And heck, if you're in the area, hope you can join us at Gateway Film Center on January 13th for the next Fright Club Live. But uh, until then, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Happy New Year. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. And stay frightful, my friends.